Thank you, and good morning. I just want you to know, when I left the beach this morning, it was sunny, <laughs> which is why I came in aircon jeans, uh, and uh, I thought it would be warm, alas. Thank you for not putting the aircons on. Um, Robbie, where's, where's the worship leader? He's outside. Huh. Do you think he can hear me? Oh, there we go. I'll t- tell you what. Oh, he's getting called in. Look at that. Uh, you know, some worship leaders... Oh, there we go. I, I just want to say to you, today, when you led worship, you ministered to us. There was a sweetness of, of your singing that, if you're not a Christian, this is just weird things Christians do, but there was a sweetness of your singing that literally ministered to my soul. I, was, I came here actually really hungry and, uh, for, for, some, for God to do something in me. And when you lead worship, you... You usher in something of God into people. You pour out. And I just want to say thank you. And well done. You're awesome. Okay, so for all the visitors, come back, come back. Um, I, uh, uh, when we started this series, it actually started a year ago. Uh, we were trying to work out ladies and guys and, and how they all fit into church and what we believe about men and women. And um, at the time, I was asked to speak with my wife at Eliphorus, which is, which is the, the flourish. It's um, City Hills Ladies Conference, which was terrifying um, because there were 2,000 ladies. <clears throat> and it would have been terrifying just because there were ladies and men, but, but it was added terrifying because when it comes to the opposite sex, my, my wife quite frequently reminds me that I'm clueless. Um, and uh, my, my WQ, my woman intelligence, is particularly low. Uh, she, she tells me this very often. And, um, and so I went there very, 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 very nervous. And uh, as I was there praying my heart out, because when, when, you, when you've grown up in Zim, you've grown up in an environment where guys bry over there and ladies... Ladies do salads over there. Is, is there anyone who grew up in that? And, they, and they, oh, a couple of you. Hi, welcome, dysfunctional people. And, uh, and then I, from there I went to boarding school. And boarding school is just a way to make you more dysfunctional. So, so any boarders? Okay, so, so all of those people who are utterly dysfunctional, this sermon's for you. The rest of you just watch and laugh. But uh, I, I went um, to... <laughs> that bad. Uh, I went to this, and I was praying. I was sitting in the front row. It just went, Lady, 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 Lady Ross. And, and I, I was thinking to myself, I've never been more terrified than this in my life. And, and I'm praying and praying and praying. And the, the conference is called Eliphorus, which includes, you probably know what it means. But, uh, but it means having wings. And, uh, and I said, God, you have to help. You have to, like you, you pray most Sundays or most times you're going to preach, but this was extra prayer. And I said, Lord, you got to give me a word. And I felt like he spoke into my heart and he said, Ross, men spend their time telling their wives that they're beautiful and they're not strong. And the result is that ladies part their feathers instead of flying with their wings. And you need to get up and tell them that they're strong. And so I got up and I shared that word. And then, and then I said, and ladies, you have been strong. South Africa is a fatherless nation. You have mothered and fathered our children. 
when, when we're broken and we're hurting, we, we come to ladies because you're a safe place and you can wipe up the mess that, that we made and you cover over it so that nobody knows about it and you give us strength. And you give us strength in the workplace and you give us strength in the home and you give us strength with our children because most of the time we're clueless. And you give us strength throughout and we haven't said that you're strong and you are strong. So if there's a lady next to you, you can turn to her and say, you are not just beautiful, you are also strong. You are hot and you are strong. That was beautiful watching guys sitting next to guys. I enjoyed that. Amazing. Uh, I want to I wanna just... <laughs> oh, watching Paul. Um, <clears throat> have you ever noticed we're kind of different? To one another, husbands and wives. You, you notice, men and women, you, you know we're a little bit different. And I was, uh, I've moved into a new home. And, uh, and I, there's a tree in our new house. And, and it was covering all the grass. So there was shade over all the grass. And um, I thought to myself, grass or tree, grass or tree, grass or tree. And we had so many other trees that I thought to myself, tree, you're going down. And, um, and because I'm a guy... Uh, I, I should have, what I should have done is quite a high tree, is I should have gone and found a specialist, but because I'm a guy, I, I found a chainsaw and a ladder. And, uh, and so I decided that I was going to cut this tree down. And, um, and so I went up and I started chopping. And I, before you chop a tree down, you have to watch YouTube so that you can be scared enough when you go up. And so I watched YouTube, and I saw all the people cutting from the wrong angle and cutting off stuff and trees falling on houses and all of that. So I watched, so I was educated. And, and, then, and then up I went and um, made sure I was cutting down. But I, I shouted down. I, I said, babe, send the kids. So she sent the kids out. Uh, she was none the wiser as to what was happening. And, and I mean, I'm in the tree with a chainsaw. I mean, you can't feel stronger than having a chainsaw and being, being right at the top of the tree. And, and so anyway, I, I said to, to the kids, hold the ladder, hold the ladder. So they grabbed the ladder. And I start cutting. First one goes down. Second branch, I start cutting. It twists. Have you ever seen stupid trees? They twist. And anyway, it begins to twist, and then it, it comes down, and all I see is my kids scattering. They're just running for the hills. And, uh, and, and then I saw my wife. And if you've ever wondered if women are strong, I was shaking. And, and she, she came out, and, um, and she said, Why? Why? And I just thought to myself, well, it's probably because I'm emotionally about four. But, uh, but other than that, it's just because I'm a guy. And I don't even care if you're watching or not. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy, and I just have to prove that I've got what it takes to kill the darn tree. Like, it's just something inside of me. Uh, I don't know why. I'm just different. I'm a guy. You know, the... the the other day, because we, we're moving into this house, it was just dusty everywhere. And renovations, we're in a renovation, basically. And um, the, the dust has got into my wife's emotions. That's what's happened. And, uh, and so, so I finish, she finishes unpacking the last box, and she comes to me, and she's got a smile on her face. And it's the first time in about three weeks she's got a smile on her face. And she says, babe, I feel like we're making home. Now, I've never heard a guy say that, ever, in my entire life. It's just we're different. 
One of the beautiful differences, my, my daughter's six, my, my son's eight, and, and my daughter's got to that stage where boys are just the enemy. And so I read, she'd put a, a sign above her bed that said, no boys allowed. And I've taken a picture of it, and I'm going to keep it up her, on top of her bed until she's 30-something. And just, but we are so, so different. And we live in a world that needs us to get our differences in line, needs us to, to work out how to work together with our differences. And the problem with the world that we've come from is that we've used our differences to dominate and control one another. In fact, you just have to take a cursory look through Scripture, and you start to realize that from the beginning, we've been using our strengths to control others, to dominate others' weaknesses. So you, you get Adam, and then straight after that, you have Cain killing Abel, using his strength to dominate. His strength was a rock in his hand. And, and then, then we go a little bit further, and you have, you have Lamech in chapter 4. He, he takes two wives. In fact, as you go through all of Scripture, you start to see men dominating women and patriarchy and rape, and you just see lust and taking and, and domination right the way through Scripture. And men, I guess we, we have consistently done this, and we've called this series How to Fight Like a Girl. That's, a, that's what we call the series. Because the truth is the world's changed so much, and, and we can't dominate Anymore, We have to learn to work together. Yesterday, a few years ago, we, we worked alongside each other. But today we have to work together. We have to learn skills because we can't just keep dominating. Let me, I, I was driving to Crusaders yesterday. And as I was driving, I saw a young boy reach down and pick up. You've got to understand, this all happened within about 10 seconds as I'm driving. I watched him. He picked up a clump of soil, a hard clump. And he looked at it. And his friends were playing over there. They were kicking a ball. He looked at this clump, and then he, he looked at his friends. He looked at the clump, and then he threw. And I thought to myself, if I were to stop him and ask him, what just went on in your brain? He would say, I don't know how, but I found a clump of soil in my hand, and my friends were there, so I threw it. And you would say, what is wrong with you? And he'd, he'd go, I don't know. Isn't that what you do? If you're a boy, this is how we work. This is how we think. And, uh, and then I know what would have happened. He would have thrown the clump. Then someone would have found another clump, thrown it back at him. And then it would have got into a rough and tumble. And then some adult would have come and said, okay, shake hands. Everybody was shaking hands. And they would be best friends. Like, this is just boys. We just can't do that in the workplace anymore. But we haven't learned the skills. We're still trying to dominate. Now, before you, you think that this might just be for the men, it's not. Ladies, you also, you're almost perfect. Just, just you've also been trying to dominate. Uh, Genesis 19, you'll see that Lot's daughters get locked drunk so they can fall pregnant, as you do. Uh, and then you get Delilah and Jezebel who seduced and manipulate to dominate. We're all in some way, trying to control and dominate. So we should have called this how to fight like Jesus, but how to fight like a girl just sounded cooler. And the reason we're trying to dominate is because God said to man, take dominion. He put it into us. We're called to 
take dominion over nature, and we're called to take dominion over ourselves. The scripture says stuff like, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are you doing? You're taking dominion of your thoughts and your emotions and your behaviors. We're called to take dominion. It's just, it's a whole lot easier to take dominion over other people and try to control other people than trying to control ourselves. And so as we, we get into today, I'm going to talk about how we consistently try to take dominion over one another and then how we can shift that to take dominion over ourselves. Anybody watch the rugby uh, yesterday? It was quite a forgettable game, so if you missed it, you didn't miss that much. Um, but, but if you were to watch that game, I don't know how we took dominion over Argentina, but we did. You would have, you would have watched and you would have criticized it. In fact, the coach would have woken up this morning, and what he would have started to do is he would have critted the game, critiqued it. And he would have, he would have gone, Spoon Corsi, absolutely amazing game. You smashed it. I'm moving you into the top side. And, and he would have looked at Reinach and said, Reinach, please, can you stop passing the ball to the other team? And he would have gone through this thing, and he would have started to critique. And then once he'd finished critiquing the game, he would have started to compare. It's, it's what you do in rugby. So you, you would have looked at Colisi and compared him to Famulan, and he would have looked at Faf's game, and he would have compared it to Reinach's game. And, and the reason that he would compare and the reason that he would critique is so that he could choose the best team to dominate the next team. And this is what we do in relationships. I don't know if you've ever walked into a relationship and you start a conversation, and then you realize as you're having this conversation that they've been critiquing you. In fact, not just them on their own, but them and like an army of people. You ever had this experience? Yeah. So you go in, and then they start telling you who you are and what you do wrong and how that person's sort and that person's sort, and we all think it. And you are this. You know why we do that? Ross Blair, can I borrow you? This is probably the most secure relational person I know. Here's, here's why we critique. Because if I can start to make a box around who Ross Blair is and go, not very relational, he's very relational, but for this argument, not very relational guy, but fun. Then I put a little box around and I go, when I want a jaw, this is the guy. When I want to have a good conversation, not the guy. You know what I'm doing? I'm protecting my heart. I'm controlling my expectations. Ross Blair, he's, he's good to have a laugh with about other people, but, but he kind of he gossips a bit. I won't share my heart. This is what we do all the time. We're putting a little box around. Because if I've got a box around him, then I don't have to relate to him as a person. I relate to a box. And a box I can keep safe with. And so I critique. And then, thank you very much. I can't use you for the next example. And then I compare. I have 10 minutes. I will preach fast. Then I compare. And so so this is when I compare. I I look at my wife and I, I go... Babe, Jane, Jane wakes up early in the morning, she doesn't moan, she makes breakfast for Bob, 
And then after making breakfast for Bob, she takes the kids to school so that Bob can surf. I haven't surfed this week. And imagine Ames came to me and said, Babe, you know that Bob, when he gets home, he plays with the kids all afternoon, makes dinner, puts them to bed, and then he comes to bed. You ever, you ever have that conversation? You know why we have that conversation? Because we're trying to control. Because we're trying to take dominion over. Because if I can just get Amy to think a little bit more like Jane, if I can get her to feel a little bit insecure about who Jane is compared to who she is, then what I'll get Amy to do is be a little more like Jane. And if I can control her to be a little more like Jane, then I get me a little bit of Jane and a little bit of Amy. But God never made her to be Amy Jane. He made her to be Amy. And when we start to try to control people... We kill them. We start to put them in boxes and we start to manipulate them and we hurt them and we break relationship. So I want to tell you how Jesus fought. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 16. None of you are going to. Hey, you're just going to look at the screen because you know it's coming. I wish it wasn't coming. Anyway, it goes like this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. I love people who rebuke God. It's like what's going through the oak's brain that he he decides he's going to take Jesus aside and tell him he's wrong. Let me tell you why. Up until that moment, everything Jesus did was taking dominion over. If there was an argument with the Pharisees, Jesus took dominion over. He he proved them wrong. If there was an argument with a storm, Jesus took dominion over it. If there was a sick person, Jesus took dominion over sickness. If there was a dead person, he took dominion over death. If there was whatever situation, Jesus always won. Paul spoke about this, competing versus complimenting. Jesus always won. And Peter was a leader. Peter liked to win. Leaders want to win. In fact, if you're competitive, you, you probably want to lead something. And if, if you're competitive, the worst thing you can do is lose. And Jesus just fed 5,000 people. And the crowd want to make Jesus king. And so Peter's looking at Jesus and going, run with it. And the worst thing you can do to a competitive person is just give in. And Jesus is going, the only way I'm going to win this one is lose. And Peter's looking at him and going, what is wrong with you? Have you lost your hearse? Take dominion. And Jesus goes, you can't take dominion over the sin problem this way. Then he says something. He turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I read this, and I thought to myself, Judas betrayed Jesus, and Peter was trying to save him. Judas got a kiss. Peter got a backhand. You've got to go, what's going on here? See, what you realize as you read the scriptures is that Peter opened his entire heart. I mean, Jesus opened his entire life to Peter. You go 10 chapters on, Matthew 26, he's about to go to the cross, and he says, Peter, James, and John, come with me. My soul is crushed. He says, please, will you pray with me? 
He's, he's opened up. He's vulnerable to Peter. He's not vulnerable to Judas. Jesus knew that Judas was the one who would betray him. Jesus holds him. He loves him, but he doesn't pour out his heart to him. And the thing about being vulnerable to someone is when you're vulnerable to someone, they have control over you. And so Jesus has to protect the relationship. And the only way you can protect a relationship where you're vulnerable is to confront. Notice what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't criticize Peter. He doesn't go, Peter, you've done it again. You did it then. You did it then. It's, a, it's now a pattern in your life. You're doing it now again. You keep telling me what to do. Why do you think? You're... He doesn't do that. He doesn't compare. He doesn't say, Peter, if you could just be a little more like John. Have you seen how relational John is? I lie on his chest. Like, can't you just be like John? He doesn't do that. He confronts because he wants to hold this relationship. And the way he confronts is he looks at the relationship through heaven's eyes. He says, you right now are behaving like Satan because you're looking through this situation from a worldly perspective and you need to look at it through God's perspective and that I do not tolerate in this tight relationship. Friends, some of us need to have that conversation. Not the criticized to all our mates conversation, not the compared to Jane conversation. We need to have the, we need to start looking at this, not with a box around it, but from heaven's perspective for this relationship to keep going forward. Jesus rebukes him. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, the word life there, it actually comes from the word breath of God. It, it means your soul. If you try to hang on to your soul, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I'm going to land. For a lot of us, We've been trying to control and dominate. And Jesus would say say to us, can you start losing? You're trying to hold on to your life. You're trying to gain the whole world. But what if you gained making your child behave like that, making your wife behave like that? What if you gained changing everything around you? In fact, you you gained so much that you earned everything around you. you. You would lose your soul. And is anything worth more than your soul? You see, most of us are trying to control the work environment around us, and we can't. We're trying to control it to make the same profit that we used to make, and we can't, and so we think we've got to move. We're trying to control people's relationships, the people around us, and somewhere down the line we can't, and then we think we need to move on. We're trying to control and make, take dominion, and God's going... When it comes to people around you, will you just lose? There are moments to lose. My marriage got so bad at one stage. And it was bad because when we got married, I told my wife what a pastor's wife should be like, and she said yes to it. And then three years in, she said no. 
she said, no, I've grown up and changed. And I said, no, you can't grow up and change. You need to be pastor's wife. You need to be exactly like the box tells you to be. And I tried to control. It went really well for me. And then there was a day that I woke up and I went, I have to lose. If I'm going to win, I have to lose. There are relationships and workspaces that you have to lose. There, there are spaces that you need to stop holding so tight on and lose because our King and Savior lost all dignity to win you back. There is a day, there's a situation where you just have to lose. And my prayer today is that you will work out the thing God's saying to you, lose on. Is it the fight? The argument at home? Is it the CCMA case? Is it the insurance thing? What are you trying to control that God's going, will you lose? Will you lose your reputation? Will you lose how business used to work? What is God saying to you, will you lose on? Because if you'll lose on the thing he says lose on, you will gain your own soul. He will pour his spirit into you and you'll feel a peace that you have never felt before. Because this is why Jesus died. I want to just take a few moments because my gut is if you'll open your heart for a moment, God will begin to speak to you about what you need to lose. So can I ask that you stand? Is there anyone who can tinkle? Paul Taylor, would you mind playing? No, I'm joking. That's how you pray this prayer. You just go, Lord Jesus, what do I need to lose? I feel prompted to tell you this. You know, I remember the moment I was about to propose to Amy. You can look. I um, had the ring in my, my pocket and I said, God, is this the woman you want me to marry? You're like, you're asking, some of you, God told you, well, not me. And I, and I was going, God, is this the woman? And he didn't ask me, all he said to me is, will you die for her? You know what that means? Will you lose? I woke up this morning after losing lots, because it, it was sore. I woke up this morning, looked at my wife, exhausted not coming to church. Flipping past his wife. And I thought to myself, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you gave me the grace to lose. Because that grace has put our marriage into a place where I look at it and I am so delighted. Some of you need to lose. So here's how you pray. Just put your hands into a tight fist. Open up your hand and say, God, you Just give it back to me. And Jesus, I thank you as people open their hands, Lord, that those are open hands for you to use, Lord God. I pray that you come up on those hands and you begin to breathe your grace into them.
God bless you. Bring us for tea and coffee once and pray.